Well, good morning. morning. Man, there is an energy in this room today, isn't there? That is awesome. Week two, the second Sunday of the new year, and just so excited to see all of you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Again, if you're a guest, my name's Tim. Uh, I get to be the lead pastor here, and Amber, that was incredible. I mean, that is awesome. Trust me. We are so glad to have you here. And all of you that came to, to support her, we just hope that you feel the love uh, from this congregation and just uh, anything that we can do, just let us know. Again, those of you that are watching online, just glad to have you here as well. As we continue a series we started last week called Own Your Influence. And if you were here last week, I hope all of this week you've been thinking about that, that we believe here at Shepherd's Gate that every single person has influence. Amen. And every day, all throughout the day, when you interact with people, you actually have influence in their lives as they have influence in your life. And I want you to think about that as it pertains even to this morning when you woke up. Any of you, you woke up and there was other people in your home? Anybody? Right? Anybody wake up with somebody groggy in their house? Don't be shy. This is an honest place, right? And you had a choice. Am I going to engage in this grogginess or am I going to pull them out of this and and respond with joy, right, and try to get them out of this situation? How many of you, you got in your car this morning and let's be honest, you just weren't a very good driver on your way here, right? You passed like five jerks on your way here and maybe the horn was honked and maybe words were said. Or most of you probably, right, you listen to Christian music and you prayed as a family and you prepared your hearts for church, right? That's what we like to think as pastors, right, right. Think about the influence you've already had. Even as you pulled into the church parking lot and maybe you were disgruntled, but then you realize that there's greeters at the door, so you've got to put on your Christian happy face, your mask, right? Everyone, kids, act like you like Jesus, say say hello, shake their hand, and you come in, and you are impacted by greeters, people that get here early just to say good morning and welcome to Shepherd's Gate. And you go in there and you grab a cup of coffee and a cookie by people who get here in an insane hour. They get here at 7 in the morning to prepare all that so that you can have a hot, fresh cup of coffee and cookies and the interaction that even you had with those people that serve so faithfully. You can't even come to the worship center without being greeted by our ushers. And then think about this. The corporate gathering of God's people, the influence that you have on each other when we come together and we sing. And this is a singing church. It's always been a singing church. The volume and the energy that you guys bring to the worship experience every single time. And it just gives me chills listening to you guys sing. Because in fact, if we came here on Sunday morning and Christian started singing and all of you just stared at him and nobody sang back, guess what would happen? He would lose it, right? (laughs) We would have to put him in some serious therapy because he'd be like, what did I do? What went wrong? Why are they responding this way, right? But you are, it's true. You'd be pacing back there trying to figure out what to do for the next service. But thanks be to God, that's not what happens. As we come together, as we're able to celebrate baptisms together, as we're able to pray over missionaries, people that have such a huge impact and influence in our world, and we're able to join in with them and lift them up in prayer. As God's word says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, influence, all day, every day, each and every moment of your life. Think about this, even the stuff that you read and that you watch on the television, right? Some of you, you're really good at watching television. It's like a spiritual gift, right? You love (laughs) television and you love gaining knowledge or you're really good at reading newspapers and gaining information. In fact, there's this lady that wrote this book four years ago, and my wife was talking to some of her friends, and she started this new TV series on Netflix. 
Uh, I don't know if you know this show or not. It's called Tidying Up. How many of you go ahead and raise your hands nice and high? I'd never heard of this lady before until my wife told me about her. Anybody know about her? Check this out. This is crazy. She wrote a book about cleaning your house and organizing your drawers in your bedroom and organizing the cabinets in your kitchen and organizing, guys, listen to this, your garage. Four years ago, she wrote a book. Now she's got a Netflix series and she's making millions. She's from Japan. She doesn't even speak English. And so you have to watch it in subtitles. Now, I have two boys in my house. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And when Lisa said, we're going to watch this show as a family, I said, there's no way in the world that my kids are going to watch a show about cleaning up the house. Why would any eight-year-old and five-year-old boy be interested in that? And she's like, what else do we got to lose? Let's give it a try. So next thing you know, here we all are gathered around the family television watching a show. Now, the five-year-old can't read, so the eight-year-old has to explain what the subtitles say underneath because the lady has to have an interpreter because, again, she's from Japan. And so here we are, we're watching this show, and their eyes get huge. And after just one show, they go racing to their bedrooms, they empty their drawers and their closets onto their beds, and I kid you not, I don't know whose kids these are, <laughs> but they reorganize their entire bedrooms. The one on the left is Brady's, my five-year-old, the one on the right is our eight-year-old Henry. Re this is how she teaches you to fold your clothes, by the way. See how you can actually see all your clothes? It's amazing. And when they were done with their bedrooms, they went downstairs and emptied out all of the kitchen cabinets and drawers and reorganized all of the kitchen cabinets and drawers. Yes, they are available for rent if any of you want to rent them. <laughs> we need help paying for their college, so we would gladly do that. Or just sit the family down and watch the TV show. It's crazy. One show, one episode, the influence and the ideas and what it can spark in a person's heart and in a person's life. And see, today, as we've been looking at this whole concept of owning your influence and walking through passages of Scripture, which is what we believe is, is the truth for our lives, it's how God speaks to us, it's how God moves us in the direction that he wants, it's how he reminds us of the love that he has for us, which is, again, what we're going to do today. And so if you weren't here last week, I want to make sure that you get this quote, because oftentimes people will say, well, I don't really have influence. I really don't matter. Or, you know, people don't really care. I'm not a leader. I'm not the manager. I'm not the owner. I'm not the boss. But uh, the experts actually say that the most introverted individual influenced 10,000 people in their lifetime. 10,000, the most introverted person on the planet. And sometimes, you know what, I'm going to change that. Oftentimes, the people that we think have the least amount of influence make the biggest impact. Amen? Think about that. The people we think have the least amount of influence are the ones in the end that end up making the biggest impacts because we are accountable to God to how we live our lives and one day we'll all see him face to face and we will give an account for what God placed in our hands. And if you remember last week, I'm just going to say it one more time so we remember, everything that we have, everything that we are comes from God. We are so insanely dependent upon him as individuals, as families, and especially as a church. Every single one of us we come from God, we're sustained by God, and ultimately we will return to God. But today we're going to be looking at seasons of influence. We're going to be looking at how throughout our lifespan, our influence changes over time. And maybe you're here this morning and you're in that junior high, high school, college age group and you're kind of wondering, okay, this is great for adults, but do I actually have any influence? And I would say absolutely what I'm always amazed at young people and the next generation is how often we rely on them to push us forward. 
And we say, you guys are the ones that are going to come up with the new and fresh ideas. You guys are the ones that are going to innovate and come up with new technologies and new ways of doing things. In fact, when your generation gets to be the age of our generation, our world will be further along because of the sacrifices that you make and the influence that you have. Isn't it interesting that as you begin to go into the, your job work and you begin to be the first employee, you begin to go to that first place of work, what happens? We do this here at Shepherd's Gate. We get new employees, and they've been here for four or six weeks. And we say, hey, you know what, now that you've been here for four or six weeks, we really want to know your input and feedback. We want you to look at this organization with fresh eyes. Point out our blind spots. Show us the things that maybe we don't realize because we're kind of stuck in our ways because we've been doing it for so long. You, in fact, have influence as you enter the workforce. Maybe God brings that special person into your life, and isn't it amazing that as that person comes into your life, they become your influence as you get engaged, as you start planning the wedding, and as you enter into the marriage. And everything's great when you get married, isn't it, folks? Everything's great, and then all of a sudden you have kids. (laughs) And your influence and your attention for your spouse all of a sudden is a 180, and it's so easy to do this because kids take up so much time and energy, and you're trying to do everything you can. And maybe you're like me where you're in the thick of it, right, with an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And I don't know how I got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. It seems like yesterday that Henry was born. Ten years left with him. Did you know that? Ten years that we have. Why does God only give us 18 years with kids? I'm going to tell God he should have given us 30 years with kids. Amen? I kid you not, someone at 8.30 literally shouted out, it's because you don't have an 18-year-old yet. (laughs) So apparently God gives you extra grace at 18 to say, you are ready to go, right? (laughs) It's just crazy. Everyone says the same thing. It goes by so fast. The reason it goes by so fast is because it's only 18 years. And then you hear from those that are empty nesters, right? They turn to each other and there's kind of this loss. It's an emotional problem. There's actually a physical, emotional loss as you realize you don't have kids anymore that you're influencing in your home and you look at each other again as husband and wife and you go, what are we going to do? What's our influence? And some of you, your kids go off to college or they go off into their careers, they get their own homes and you start wondering, you start seeing them less and less. Man, what's going to happen Even I've talked to several people in this church, right, that are getting toward that retirement age, right? And they think to themselves, what am I going to do if I retire? How is that going to impact my life and ability to influence others? And maybe you're here and you're wondering how many days God's going to give you left on this planet. Now, oftentimes people get to that certain age group and they get caught in this trap where they think that they don't have influence They think that our generation doesn't want to hear from them. They think that maybe nobody else cares what they have to say or their opinion. And so they wonder if they have any value and any worth. And I can tell you, you do have value. You do have worth. We need to hear from you. We need to learn from you. Do you know the most successful books that are written on the planet, the most successful authors on the planet are people that are 60 years or older? Think about that. Why? Because they have the wisdom and experience to bring to the table the things that we need to hear. We need you. We need each other. And we all have an incredible opportunity to influence each other, especially inside this church. So again, last week as we laid the foundation, everything we are, everything we have is from God. 
And then this week, as we now take that next step in 1 Corinthians, as we've been looking at this chapter together, I want to start by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then we're going to go through chapter 3 together. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, basically this one verse can, can summarize this whole chapter. It says this, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, okay? And this is so cool for you, Amber, right? You have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. You have access to the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in your heart and dwells in the hearts of your children. Think of that influence, that every time when you're going along your way, when you're doing your things, when, when things aren't going the way that you want them to go, or you're getting ready to fall into temptation, or do something that you know you shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit is there each and every time to counsel you, to advise you, to bring you back to the truth, and to say, hey, this is what I have for you. This is the path that I want you to walk on. This is what I have for you and for your family and for your life. See, it's so easy to fall into that sinful, fallen state that we do, but yet we have access to the Holy Spirit. And so Paul spends all of chapter 2 kind of unpacking that. And today, as we look at chapter 3, you're going to see it's going to be kind of a continuation of chapter 1. In fact, the first four chapters are kind of a continuation of Paul just addressing the issues of the church of Corinth. There had been some grumblings going on, and so people had been picking sides, and they'd been picking leaders, and they'd been saying, well, some of us like to follow Paul, some of us like to follow Apollo, some of us like to follow Cephas. And so there had been divisions in the church, and Paul, who's now four years away, he's been four years away from this church that he planted. He's the founding pastor. He's now over in Ephesus, and he gets this word that there's grumblings, and so he sits down and he pens this letter to not only encourage the church, but to ultimately kind of put them back on the path that God has for them. So I invite you to grab one of the chair Bibles that are in front of you. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're in the front row, they're right underneath the seat. If you don't have a Bible on behalf of our church, please take one of these with you today. We, there's no greater gift our church can give you than God's word. And we have plenty of these, and if we run out, we'll go buy some more. So know that you can do that. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's on page... 953. All right, cool. And let's see what God wouldn't speak to us today. So again, you see on 953 there, it says divisions in the church. He's still addressing the divisions in the church. But starting in verse 5, the Apostle Paul writes these words. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wage according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. And so let's stop there for a moment. Again, you see as Paul is addressing this issue of like, well, who, is, who am I and who is Apollos? Really, we're all the same thing. We're all the same person under God. And we're actually servants of God, and we just were assigned to different tasks. You see how this is kind of laid out? And he's like, no one in the church is better than anyone else. No one in our communities or in our families are better than anybody else. We just have different assignments from God. 
And so if you think, well, I don't have influence because I'm not in this position, or I don't have influence because I'm not in that position, know what the Word of God tells you. Each and every position is important, and it is valued. And God is just asking you to own your influence, own the position that he's put you in, own the place in this world that he has placed you in. And I love it because it's like he says, I planted, right? That was my task. And he was given a completely different task than Apollos who watered. Paul's job was to plant the church. Apollo's job was to come after and to help keep the church put together. And but, but basically, all of the credit goes back to God who gives the growth. And I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in these words from Paul. I, f- I find great comfort in these words as a spouse and as a parent, that I can do everything that I can to try to influence my spouse, to point my spouse to Jesus, right? I can pray with her. I can read her God's word. I can you know, tell her uh, what, words of encouragement. But ultimately, it's God's that responsible. God is the one responsible for her spiritual growth. I can do everything I can to point my kids to Jesus and to bring them to church and to read them God's word, but ultimately, God is the one that will produce faith and growth in their life. I can tell you as a pastor, oh, it's really encouraging to know that I'm not responsible for all of your spiritual growth. I get to preach you God's word. I get to say, hey, here's what God says, and this is how this passage of scripture hit me this week, and I can do everything I can to plant seeds of faith and to water, whatever it is that he's called me to do, to give you a hug, to be there, to to listen to you during your hard times, to celebrate with you during your joyous times, but ultimately, it's on God to provide the growth in your life, the spiritual growth. That is amazing. We can be encouraged by that this morning. But I want you to see something at the beginning of this passage. It's kind of easy to, to miss over. This very first word, servants. See how it says that, where it says servants? And there, the passage, this passage was actually in the original language, it was written in the Greek. And when Paul was writing this, he used a very specific word in the Greek for servant. And it's table, waiter. That's the word they used. That the people of God, that he and Apollos, even though they were considered these great church leaders and they were big influencers in the community at this time, that God had called them to be table waiters. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. That they were to humble themselves, that they were to serve the people that God had put under their care. And so these two got out the towel and they put it around their arm and they willingly served the people that God had put in their lives. And when he read this in the church, people would have known exactly what they were talking about and why he used this word on purpose. You and I were servants. You and I are called to humble ourselves and to serve our spouses. Amen? Right? We're called to serve our kids. We're called to serve the people in our community. If you're a business owner or you get to be in a management position, guess what? You've been called to serve the people underneath you, not be a ruthless dictator. If you're an employee, guess what? Your role is to serve your supervisor, serve the owner of the company, do everything you can to to live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed upon you. You're not there to gossip behind their back or tell them everything they're doing wrong or try to destroy or bring dissension to the business that you are employed by. All of us, we get to be servants. No matter what role we play, we're all servants of God. So that neither he who plants, think about this, nor he who waters is anything, 
but only God who gives the growth. Again, just like we looked at last week, all praise, glory, and honor, and all credit belongs to God. God has given us the influence that we've had. God puts us in the position that we're in. God is the one who allows us to do what it is that we do. And I know you might be here this morning, you're like, Tim, you don't understand my life. You don't understand how much I serve my family. And I go in week in and week out, I try to love my spouse, I try to love my kids, and all I do is get kicked down. No one ever tells me I'm doing a good job. No one ever encourages me. No one ever says, hey, you know, you're doing this right or you're doing that right or keep it up. Maybe it's your place of work and no matter what role you're in, you're saying, man, nobody even notices how hard I work. No one notices the time and energy I put in. Why is it that I get no credit for what I do? Maybe it's here at church. Maybe you serve in a, in, a, in, a, in a role and for whatever reason, we haven't told you how much you are loved and valued, how much what you do matters to this church and to the people that you come in contact with. And if that's the case, I want this last sentence in this passage to be an insane encouragement to you this morning. Look at what Paul says. He says, he who plants and he who waters, all right? You're doing your vocation. You are doing what you've been called to do. You are fulfilling the assignment that God has given you. He who plants and he who waters are one, equal, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. What is he reminding them of this? What is he reminding? That even if nobody else sees, guess who sees? God sees. God sees how hard you work for your family. God sees how, far, how hard you work in your organization. God sees how hard you work in your community. And yes, God sees how hard you work here at Shepherd's Gate. And again, one day when you see him face to face, there will be an account. And he's gonna pull you in and he's gonna recount every single one of the times that you got it right. Every single one of the times that you humbled yourself and you served your fellow brother or sister on this planet. And he's going to be so proud of you. So don't get weary in doing good. Know that your God sees you and that he's delighted in you and that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the encouragement that you need to go on another day and another day and another day. Because this is what Paul does next. He says this in verse 10. That according to the grace of God given to me, right? Again, it's God's grace like a skilled master builder. Those of you that are builders like scriptures like this, right? I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So again, what do you find? You find Paul reminding us, reminding the church in Corinth that everything we had is a result of somebody else coming before us. And what does that look like in your life? What does that look like in your family? What was passed on to you by your parents and your grandparents? Were you fortunate enough to grow, in a ho- grow up in a home where you were brought to church, where your parents you know, prayed with you and read you the Bible and pointed you to Jesus? Do you appreciate that incredible legacy that's been handed to you? Do you tell the people that have done that for you how much you love them and value the fact that they've done that for you? Maybe that's not your case. Maybe you didn't grow up in a home and you didn't go to church and your parents didn't pray for you and you didn't have all those experiences as a child, but somewhere along the way, God allowed your path to cross with somebody else's path that introduced you to Jesus. 
and told you the truth and told you what God could do for you and brought you to a church where God is doing amazing things in and through your life. Somebody laid a foundation that you now get to stand on. And that's what we have to recognize first and foremost. All of us are a result of a foundation that's already been laid. Think about it in your family. Think about it in your community, right? The house that I live in, we are the seventh owners of our house. Six other families have lived in our house. And I, and I sometimes remind myself of this. Somebody else stood in front of a piece of land and said, I want to build a house here. And probably had all these hopes and all these dreams of what this house would entail and the family that he would have and that she would have. And they built a home. And then they left and somebody else came and they left and somebody else came. And all of the memories, if the walls could talk, I have a house because somebody else had a dream and a vision to plan it. And I get to now have those memories with my family and I get to build on that foundation. This church, let's be honest, this church would not be where it is if we wouldn't have had the foundation that's been laid these last 39 years and I can't wait to celebrate our birthday. We're gonna be doing some different stuff this year, some surprises, it's gonna be so exciting. But again, honoring the past so that we understand where we come from so that we know where we're going. Again, what is that for you? And not just recognizing the foundation, but also recognizing that we're now all bricklayers. If we're alive, we are still bricklayers. And we get an opportunity to build a foundation for those that are coming after us. So what kind of foundation are we building? Are we being intentional with our time with our families? And are we being intentional with our time with the things that God has placed in our lives? Are we, as we start this new year, again, realigning our focus and making sure that we're doing everything we can to align ourselves with God's purpose and plan for our lives? What an incredible time to be able to do this this time of year. And I love it because Paul always ends with these reminders for us. Look at what he says. For no one can lay a foundation other than what is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Everything starts with him. And those that have gone on before us and now our opportunity to build upon that. You know, it's interesting because sometimes, I don't know if you have this, but sometimes you have people in your life that you want to influence you in a certain way. Does anyone ever have this? And sometimes you get frustrated if they don't influence you the way that you want them to influence, especially if they're a family member. Like you're like, man, I just really wish my grandparents would do this or I really wish my parents would do this or I really wish my kids would respond this way. Does anybody else have that? You do? Okay. Uh, my grandma, I love my grandma. She lives out in Arizona. She's a very smart woman. She's 90 years old. She still lives on her own. Uh, she's just incredible. She actually uh, wrote the Bible herself. Like she actually read through the Bible and she like wrote her own version of the Bible because she just wanted to have God's word in her heart. She wakes up every morning really early and just prays over our whole family. And so often I've just wanted my grandmother to just like give me words of encouragement right? She's an incredible woman. Now, she was a pastor's wife for 50 years, okay? And so every once in a while, I'll send my grandma uh, my messages, and I'll say, hey, grandma, I just wanted you to watch this. And every time we get on the phone to talk about my message, she always tells me what I could do different (laughs) and what I could tweak, right? And I love her to death, right? And I'm always like, man, can you, did I, and I don't want to say it because I don't want to force her to have to say, oh yeah, you did a good job, right? Because then it becomes awkward. 
But I know my grandma, I know my grandma loves me, I know she's proud of me. And so sometimes we put unrealistic expectations on people. And in her mind, she is influencing me, she is helping me, she is helping me become even better. But I can tell you about this lady that went to be with Jesus in, this church, in our church just this last year. Her name's Betty Spear. Some of you might know her. And this woman, incredible, God-fearing woman of our church, literally, I, I believe, has gotten me through some of the most difficult times in my life. I'm not joking. Simply by doing this, by doing nothing other than giving me encouraging words. And I got to do her funeral last year, and when we showed the video slideshow and we had our life remembered service just a couple weeks ago, every time her picture went up on the screen, I just lost it. Because this woman was gifted by God, and I believe there's certain people that have this gift, the gift of encouragement, where the only thing that they do is just encourage other people. They speak these incredible words into your life. And so even though maybe I had this expectation and I wanted my grandma to be this way, God still provides within other means with other people in our lives. And that's the incredible grace and mercy of our God. In fact, when she moved down to Florida, after she sold her house here, when Betty left, and I had the opportunity to talk to her on the phone, hours before she passed away, I got to tell her how much she meant to me. And I got to remind her of faith in Jesus Christ and that soon God is gonna take her by the hand and she's gonna close her eyes in this life, but when she opens them in the next, she's gonna see Jesus. So thank you for having a positive impact on me. Why? Because Betty was a builder. Betty was willing to lay those bricks for someone else. So let me ask you again, what does that look like in your life? Are you a negative influence? Are you always dragging everybody down? Are you always just, you know, uh, the world's falling apart? Are you encouraging people with your words? Each and every day, may we recognize the foundation that has been laid for us, first by Christ and then by others, and may we also recognize the influence we have to build upon that foundation. Every day, every word, every phone conversation, every email we send, every time we're willing to cut out our schedules and have coffee or lunch just to listen to another human being, every time we stop at work and listen to a coworker and just validate that they're going through a difficulty, every time we come in church and we shake someone's hand and we look them eyeball to eyeball and we give them a hug and we show them unconditional love and care, you and I are influencing people. And I just believe that God's getting ready to just do even more than we could think or imagine in this church. It's amazing the people that God has called to be part of this church. Amber, your story, and I know you met with John earlier this week. You've been here a month and a half. Month and a half. And you know what she said when she first came in here? This is what she said. She said as soon as she came in here, instantly she felt at home. Why? Because of you. Because of you, church. Because of the love that you have that she felt comfortable enough to stand here in front of all of you, which is not easy to do, and be baptized. And now I know our church is going to love and we're going to embrace and we're going to continue to walk alongside you and you're going to be shocked at even more what God has in store for your life. So welcome home, all right? And all of you, you don't have a church home, welcome home. We would love to have you pray about God being part of this church. But again, as we close, here's my final challenge for you this morning. 
Embrace your season of influence. Maybe go home today and take your sermon outline and write it on the back. Write the season that you're in and write the areas that you do have influence. And ask God to help you to start leveraging it today for your sake and for the sake of those around you. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your amazing grace and mercy in our lives. God, I thank you for a guy named Paul that so willingly sat down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and wrote this incredible gift of 1 Corinthians. And that God, he didn't shy away from writing the difficult things that he needed to write and and the things that the church needed to work on, but also God, to remind us over and over again of the grace and mercy we have in you. So God, once again, just remind us of what you have done for us on the cross of Christ, that our salvation is in you, that our hope is in you. And God, you know every heart in this room, you know every circumstance, you know every season that every person is in right now. God, today and as we continue throughout this month, your Holy Spirit, help us to own the influence that we have, to be the people that you've called us to be, to continue to share your grace and your mercy with every person we meet. God, we love you and we thank you for this incredible opportunity, the, the, the trust that you've placed in us and the Holy Spirit that you have so freely given to us that we can now share that with others. So God, watch over your church once again this week. Lead and guide us as we leave here today. Lead and guide us as we go throughout our week and bring us back next week that we may continue to dive into your word. God, we love you. We thank you. It is in your son's most holy and precious name that we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Receive a blessing of our Lord this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace.